welcome back to season three of our Learn With Sue Walk and Talk podcast. And my name is Sue Langley and I am excited to be back with you after a little bit of a break. Uh, I've been lucky enough to spend a bit of time in uh, Vancouver at the World Congress of Positive Psychology and a little bit of time in Italy. And I thought we'd kick off um, our season three with some big questions. Now, for some of you, you may be really clear on what we're going to be talking about today, and some of you may be not. But I remember many years ago when I was in college and lots of really cool people, uh, not including me, uh, talked about lots of ism words. And existentialism was always a word that came up that I never understood. And uh, I still don't. And I have looked up this word dozens and dozens of times over the years, and it never sticks in my head of what it actually means. When I read it, it kind of makes sense, and yet I still have to look it up regularly. Pretty much every time we do a diploma, I look up the word existentialism because it comes up again. So existentialism, for those of you uh, not aware, and some of you may be very aware and have much more knowledge uh, than me in this space, but existentialism, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, is a philosophical theory or approach which emphasizes the existence of the individual person as a free and responsible agent determining their own development through acts of will. So it links to free will. And yet the interesting thing is where I've heard the term uh, existentialism or existential recently has been linked to the word crisis. So in uh, Iceland, the European Conference of Positive Psychology last year, I remember uh, people talking about an existential crisis, lots of people going through an existential crisis. And I again kept my mouth shut because I'm like, I don't know what that is. Um, Apparently it's something bad because it's got the word crisis in it, but I didn't really know what it was all about. So I just kept out of the conversation. Um, So let's look this up. An existential crisis refers to the ensemble of feelings and questions we have to do with the meaning and purpose of our life. Okay, well, that kind of gets into a realm of where I understand. Now, I don't know if you're having an existential crisis. It seems like a big word to me or a big theme. And for me, maybe it's just about what is the purpose of my life? uh, What's the meaning in my life, etc.? So the other thing that I've been uh, exploring recently has been some of the uh, research around meaning and uh, the fabulous Mike Steger's work around meaning and also thinking about some uh, research around free will, which we might get to as well. Um, So if we think about meaning, meaning in life, I really love... um, Uh, Mike Steger's three pillars that he talks about Um, and those three pillars of uh, meaning in life three dimensions if you like of meaning in life which are around coherence purpose and significance and there's an interesting study that looks at um, also the word mattering because mattering often comes up in the research and um, a recent study actually looked at that particular definition which links to significance mattering are they the same thing are they different And one of the pieces of research really looks at um, if we think about uh, mattering, some of the the questions in the questionnaires around mattering um, talk about really cosmic things. So questions such as even a thousand years from now, it would still matter whether I existed or not. Even considering how big the universe is, I can say that my life matters. Now, that's really interesting when it comes to the word mattering, because I've never thought of the word mattering on that bigger scale. Maybe you have. Um, For me, mattering is much more closely linked to significance, 
which is basically, do I perceive that my life is of value? As in, am I making a difference? Do I matter? But not necessarily on a cosmic scale, more about an individual scale, a day to day. Now, I personally am under no illusions that 100 years from now, nobody is probably going to know that I existed. Nobody's probably going to care that I existed. And that's fine. And I don't have an existential crisis about that. Uh, it's just part of, you know, life and, and generations, etc. Um, so I personally don't think about does my life matter on a cosmic scale. I definitely think about does my life matter on a day-to-day -day scale, which is in what Mike Steger's work talks about is much more about significance. Is my life having some sort of significance? Now, I don't know how you feel about that, what you do every day. Um, is there some sense of purpose, which is direction, aims, goals? Is there some sense of coherence, as in your life seems cohesive to you? You say one thing and you don't do something different, or you're, you align to your values, that self-concordance element. And then, as I say, the significance. Is my life significant? Am I making a difference? Now, to me, that might be making a difference to my partner, to a friend, to somebody down the beach when I stop and smile and say hello on my walks in the morning. Um, it can be the small things. It doesn't have to be the big things. And the reason that I like to remind myself um, that maybe in 100 years from now, nobody's going to care whether I existed or not, I think there's a certain freedom in that. Now, other people may not agree with me here. Um, there's a brilliant book by Oliver Berkman called 4,000 Weeks. Um, and I have to admit, I've listened to it on Audible now four times. And I, whilst my brain was already heading in that direction, it really gave me some language to remind myself that as I say, 100, 150 years from now, nobody's going to know or remember or care that I existed. And sometimes when I say that, people are like, oh, that's a bit depressing. I'm like, no, that's freeing. Because 100 years from now, if I do happen to put out this podcast and it sucks, in 100 years, nobody's going to remember, nobody's going to care. In fact, they're probably not going to care as of tomorrow. If I write a book and it's not brilliant and perfect and it's not going to stand the test of time, It'll still be a useful book and it'll still be useful for the people who read it in that moment. So sometimes maybe if we're having an existential crisis, are we perhaps expecting too much of ourselves that when you think about the people that um, we remember from hundreds of years past um, and whether you go back as far as uh, Aristotle or Plato or Buddha or if you go into more recent history I don't know if you want to talk about Napoleon because that movie's out at the moment um, or you want to talk about kings and queens or if you want to talk about scientists um, if we think about Einstein if we think about the millions and millions and millions of people that have lived there's only a few that are remembered hundreds and hundreds of years hence now, does that mean that the other millions of people that we don't remember didn't have a good life and didn't make a difference? Of course not. We may not hear about them, and yet they still may have made a difference to their partner, their children, etc. And so for me, there's a certain sense of freedom of thinking, okay, well, 100 years from now, what I do may not matter, but I tell you what, it matters in this moment. So maybe that's a different mindset. Maybe you have uh, the ability to do that much bigger picture. Um, whereas I always think about, do I matter? Is there a sense of meaning in my day to day? So I've then been exploring some of the questions around uh, meaning. And uh, Mike Steger's got a really cool course around meaning. And there was uh, a question that was asked in one of the sessions around um, 
to write on one sheet of paper or one paragraph my understanding of the meaning and purpose in life and to jot down some big questions. Um, so big questions that you might have. And again, I suddenly realized is, oh, I don't know if I have big questions. And I actually wrote down, I don't think I have big questions. I'm clear about the world, why the world exists with the science that we have at the moment. Uh, it may change, whether it's uh, Big Bang, evolution, whatever you. I believe when I die, my body rots, my neurons stop firing and I'm no longer here. Um, and I appreciate that may be different to what many other people believe. Um, that I don't feel I have a need to ask the, any bigger questions. But what I did write in answer to this, this, this question about big questions, I asked myself, what is my life worth living? And there's a really interesting uh, reflection that I had around that. So if you were to ask yourself right now, is your life worth living? How would you answer that? And I answered it, well, whether it is or it isn't, is not really relevant because I'm alive now and one day I won't be. But what is relevant is if I choose to make a difference each day. So if I choose to make a difference with my life. Now, will I potentially solve world peace? Will I um, solve climate change? Possibly not. Um, but while I'm here, until that day when I'm not, um, what can I do with my life? Where can I make, uh, make a difference to one person, to a few people? Uh, where can I show up as the best version of me so that I can perhaps leave a little bit of a legacy behind? Now, again, you may not have these big questions. I certainly don't necessarily have all these big questions. For me, my meaning and purpose in life is always about inspiring others to be the best they can be. And one of the ways that I do that is by striving to be the best I can be. Um, and again, do I always get it right? Of course not. I'm human. We're all human. We will all stuff it up now and again. Um, and yet it's interesting to think about, well, how does this play out for you? So that was the first part of my uh, my thinking around this. And then I was reading a very deep and meaningful paper around free will. Now, I've uh, listened to the fabulous Roy Baumeister talk about free will before um, many years ago, an hour long lecture on free will. Uh, it came up again at the IPA conference fairly recently about do human beings have free will? Uh, when I was in Venice in 2018, 2019, around the neuroscience school, there was conversations around um, free will. Do we have it? Do we not? And it's really interesting because even the paper that I read was sort of arguing, again, both sides of the equation. As in some of the research will tell us we don't have free will. Some of the research will indicate that what, what will be what will be. You don't have any choice over it. It was always going to be that way. Um, and even from a neuroscience perspective, um, your brain kind of fires before you think you've made the decision about what it is you're going to do. And certainly in this neuroscience school, one of the suggestions was that uh, when you leave here, if you're meant to have a gelati, you will have a gelati. And I thought, well, that depends on how many gelati shops. Well, you're in Venice, there's probably going to be a lot. But if you're not in Venice, different gelati shops. But anyway, it's all sort of preordained. And then there's the other side of the argument uh, that means it isn't preordained. We do have some choices. So while uh, we are built of different uh, neurons, different cells that all have their way of working, um, we do have choice. And personally, I like this one kind of better. Uh, but what was interesting at the end of this brilliant uh, research paper or article, 
they came around to the fact of whether we have free will or whether we don't, it's better for us psychologically to believe that we do. So when you look at actually how people, or if you look at overall well-being, whether it's true or not, fact, if you like, of whether we have uh, free will or whether we don't, and whether it's eventually proved one way or the other, and we have some answers to that question, from an overall well-being and psychological perspective, it is better to assume that we do have free will, that we have choices. And so that brings me sort of looped back around to this sort of, I suppose, existential crisis um, or this area of existentialism of really understanding our meaning and purpose in life is, well, let's imagine we do have choices that we do have choices of who we are and how we are going to be on a day-to-day -day basis. What are, we, what are we putting in place to ensure that we use those choices? And again, if you don't believe in free will, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can still think you make choices because apparently it'll make you feel better anyway. So here are some interesting existential questions that you may want to reflect on. And these come from Paul Wong, who some of you may know uh, has done brilliant work in the space of meaning over the last sort of 40 or 50 years. Um, and I really respect Paul's work. Um, we teach it on the Diploma of Positive Psychology and Wellbeing. Um, he has some questions. So here are some questions for you that you may want to reflect on. The first one may sound simple. Who am I? Now that's an interesting question, isn't it? Who am I? Now sometimes we may reflect on the answer to that question by putting ourselves in a category. Uh, we might say I am a coach or I am a doctor or I am female or I am... Uh, a mother or I am a brother, whatever it happens to be. So we may answer that question by putting ourselves in a category. Um, but is that really who you are? Uh, you're certainly not your job. Uh, you're way more than your job. Um, or you could fundamentally put it down to you're a cluster of cells uh, and uh, chemicals and things like that. Um, but is that again really who you are? And again, this may depend on your, uh, your sense of meaning, whether it's meaning in life or meaning of life. Um, so that's the first question, who am I? Now, I don't know if you want to reflect on that one during the rest of your day. Um, I don't know how I answer that question. I think uh, I'm a human being. Um, that's what I am for now. I'm alive. That's what I am for now. Um, but who am I as a person? Maybe it's somebody who lives their values, strives to make a difference um, and to be the best I can be. Um, as many of you know, I'm a bit uh, uh, attached to Ellen Langer's work around categories and I don't like to put myself in a category um, because I think sometimes it can limit us. So that's your first question to ponder. Who am I? The second of uh, Wong's six existential questions is how can I be happy? Now this is an interesting one and I'm sure many of you have lots of answers to this question. Um, one of the things that we do know from the work in positive psychology is that sometimes what we think makes us happy doesn't and what we don't realize makes us happy does. So how can I be happy? Um, again, I always think of that in sort of two ways, very simply, um, am I doing things that bring me uh, positive emotions? So am I engaging in activities, uh, tools, strategies on a day-to-day -day basis that bring me joy or curiosity or awe or gratitude, uh, or love, all of those things? 
And also for me, whilst happy is an emotion um, in the strict sense of the word, when I think about how can I be happy overall, it is absolutely uh, living and breathing that sense of purpose every day. Um, ensuring that I'm heading somewhere, um, ensuring that what I'm doing is aligned to who I am, uh, cohesive as a whole, and um, hopefully making a difference on a day-to-day basis. What is it for you? Uh, Number three is what should I do with my life? Now, again, this is an interesting one because what should I do with my life? Often we think then of tasks or job or those sorts of things. And yet what should you do with your life may also include what should you do with your life as far as the interactions you have with the people around you? Um, What should you do with your life as in in the next 10 minutes? Um, Are you going to continue listening to this podcast and reflect on it? Are you going to turn it off because you're bored now? Are you going to go for a run or a walk? Are you going to hug your children or your dog or your cat, whatever you? So it could be the small things as well as the big things of what should I do with my life? The thing that I find is when we get too caught up in uh, expecting a set answer of what should I do with my life, like um, we are waiting for that uh, big aha moment um, that's going to give us an answer, we may be waiting and it may never come. And yet when we start moving towards being the best version of ourselves, maybe answers come to us anyway. Fourth question, how do I make the right choices? Well, again, the word right here is an interesting one because there may never be, strictly speaking, a right or a wrong choice. I mean, there is with some dilemmas. And yet with many things in life, there's no single choice. It's not you're choosing between two options. You could be choosing between many different options. And if you uh, joined our live session with the amazing Barry Schwartz, you'll know that there's a whole lot of really cool research around uh, making choices. Um, and what choices are we making? And again, Paul Wong's Pure Model could help us there um, around meaning-based self-regulation about how do we make the right choices with the small things of um, our eat, drink, exercise, or eat, sleep and exercise, our uh, relationships with people on a day-to-day, as well as those bigger choices about how we choose to live our lives and what we engage in and what we do. All right, question five, where do I belong? Uh, Again, I think this is an interesting one is uh, where do you belong and what is meaningful for you? Now, I don't know about you. You may find you really belong in a particular group. Uh, You may identify with a particular category of human in some way. Uh, You may not. You may feel you don't belong in many places. And I have to admit, when I was at school, I um, often used to feel that I sort of belonged and didn't everywhere. So I was not really, uh, certainly I wasn't in with the really sort of what we traditionally call sort of the the most intelligent people in the class and the more sort of geeky, traditionally geeky intelligent. But I wasn't out of them either. I kind of knew them and got on okay. Um, I certainly wasn't in with the cool people at school at all. But again, I didn't really not get on. I just wasn't necessarily in, but I wasn't out. Uh, There was kind of a group I was sort of aligned to that were the reasonably intelligent, not quite cool, not quite really out there, um, doing okay. And again, I wasn't necessarily the most in, uh, but equally I wasn't the most out. So as far as where do I belong, I wasn't particularly uh, sporty. I wasn't the most intelligent, I wasn't uh, in a particular category at school, but I did kind of feel that um, I was kind of on my own uh, for a lot of it, um, but I kind of connected into many different groups. Um, Yes, I was picked on now and again by a couple of people, um, but in general, I kind of 
wasn't necessarily singled out in any particular way for being particularly great and particularly included or particularly bad and excluded. Um, so I often felt that I kind of didn't really belong anywhere. And then um, when I grew up again, I didn't necessarily feel that I fitted into particular categories. And you may you may have done, you may have been uh, found your, your, your tribe, as people often use that term. Um, I didn't necessarily feel that. I wasn't particularly... Um, traditional in many of my uh, sort of views as far as being female. I uh, didn't necessarily, as I say, join in with particular groups, etc. And one thing that um, I really loved is I became an associate for a leadership consulting firm uh, when I sort of first moved to Australia. And one of the things was really interesting is one person in the group said, we're all a bunch of misfits that don't fit anywhere, so we kind of fit together. Uh, so where do you belong? Well, that might be an interesting question for you to reflect on. Do you need to belong anywhere or can you belong everywhere? And the sixth question, which is definitely linked to this existential crisis side of things, I guess, if we get too caught up on this, is number six is what is the point of striving when life is so short? Now, again, that links me back to where we began about that importance of mattering. In the science, the word mattering has this much more big cosmic perspective. And yet life is short. And yet, I don't know about you, I still think there is point in striving for living a meaningful life, um, a happier life, a life where you leave people with joy or more energy than when you joined them. So whatever you choose to do around those questions, and I will just repeat those six questions, you may want to take some time to reflect on them if you want to uh, focus on your meaning in life. And we might pick this up again in a future session. So the first question is, who am I? The second question is, how can I be happy? The third question is, what should I do with my life? Number four, how do I make the right choices? Number five, where do I belong? And number six, what is the point of striving when life is so short? Or maybe my response is, well, what's the point of not? So hopefully that's given you some deep and meaningful to kick off our season three of our Walk and Talk podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. We have some amazing guests and topics coming up uh, on our member session as well. So if you would like to join us as a member, please check out learnwithsue.com.au and maybe I'll see you live at some point in the not too distant future. Thanks everyone.